right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a low right now. that. You don't got time to say All right, let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Happy Monday to you. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. On today's edition of the show, we uh, are going to start our KU football position previews. We're doing that right off the top with the quarterback position first. We also are going to have David Lesky join the show at 340 to talk a little Royals baseball. They had the MLB draft last night in addition to finishing the first half of the season. Um, at 5 o'clock, we've got another edition of Stupid Scale. We've got to talk about this Bob Huggins stuff. And then in the 4 o'clock hour, we are going to be remembering the great Hank Booth with uh, some stories and just conversations with David Lawrence and Matt Llewellyn. And then we'll uh, have some audio, too, from Brian Haney. He was on uh, with Joel Becker earlier today that we're going to get to all that remembering Hank in the 4 o'clock hour. Um, there uh, also is some Chiefsaholic uh, news. news. Yeah, Huge, yeah. huge, massive news. Mm. Chiefsaholic, a.k.a. Xavier Babador, Babador. Dower, yeah, it's Dower, like Babador or something. Yeah, has been apprehended in California. Tough, tough. Is he is he a hero of yours? No, no, no. Tough for him. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I was tough say, for him. Uh, I mean, you rob banks. This is kind oh, of yeah, this, what's coming this, your way. Yeah, this is what happens. Yeah, you, uh, you know, don't don't do that. Okay, um, so we'll talk more about that coming up later in the show because there's uh, some interesting stuff coming up with that. Uh, starting out with our KU football position preview of the quarterback position, which is a fun position. Nice. No, you know, normally every year that we've gone into this with KU football, this has not been the quarterback a super position fun preview. Is normally like there's been a sucks. lot of questions. Yeah, like this. It's been this stinks. Who's going to be the guy? Is this guy going to start? Is this guy going to start? I think it'll be this guy. Right. Last year it was fun, but it was and you still had like it was like okay, Jalen's going to start. Because right? They were kind of good. Yes, but it was also like. Last year, it was the hope of them being good because you saw the flash of it from Jalen Daniels at the end of yeah. the previous year, but you didn't know for sure. So there was still a lot to talk about. This year, right. there's there's in some ways, there's more to talk about. In some ways, there's less because in some ways, there's less to the standpoint of like you feel comfortable with it not being a disaster anymore. You feel good that it's going to be a good position. Yes. So it yes. creates less questions about who's going to be the guy and can they be good enough? No, we know the answers to that. We've, we've seen the KU quarterback play over the last year and a half now, I guess. Um, it's good. Good enough. It's fun. Yes, exactly. It's exciting. So how we're going to do these player previews, we're going to go through literally every single player that is listed on the KU football online roster. Uh, you know, some obviously we won't have as much to say or much to say at all. Uh, other than others, we're going to split them up. Then we'll get to our biggest storylines and then uh, our confidence scale on if the position is better, worse, or the same than it was a season ago. Uh, so let's start with this. The starter, Jalen Daniels. No debate there. He is a fourth-year junior. So you can still have this year and one year after that. Yep. Really good player. Yep. I mean. Really elite player. Yeah. Uh, At his peak as a Heisman candidate. Yeah. Contention, discussion, five games in the season last year before he got hurt. 
uh, excellent player, great leader on and off the field, says all the right stuff, does all the right stuff, a true winner that KU has as their starting quarterback. Yes. Uh, so that's that. I mean, you know, the ceiling of Jalen is a Heisman contender. The floor of Jalen outside of injury is still like Probably a still, top five Big yeah. 12 quarterback, right? Yeah, I would say like fifth would be like worst case. Mm-hmm. And then you have your uh, two deep part of this, your backup quarterback. That would be Jason Bean. He's a sixth-year senior. Yep. If we were just hypothetically going into this season and and Jason Bean were the starting quarterback, how do you think we would be discussing this? Like, would we still be saying he's a top-five quarterback in the Big 12? Uh, I think we would be saying that he had these, the potential to be that, but I don't think it would be as much with with Jalen. It's like bona fide, you're going to be a top two or three quarterback preseason offensive player of the year. Like, is Jason Bean is not even coming close to being preseason offensive player of the year. Um, he's a starting quarterback. Well, I guess in this hypothetical, if if Jalen Daniels just like didn't exist, he poofed away from existence for for this conversation. Well, I mean, this, 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 what are what are this, Jason Bean's final stats last year? Well, right. But well, actually, what I think the better way to look at mm-hmm. it is Jalen Daniels transfers. There you go. Sure. No, now we so wouldn't be looking at that with Bean. But I guess my point with that is like Jason Bean started like what like four? Games? Oh no, only four I don't think games. it was that much. I don't know. It was like four and a half games if you include the second half of like the TCU game. Um, he basically great numbers. Yeah, I mean, if you paced him out for like a full season, he's getting like 30, 35 passing touchdowns with like three thousand passing yards and like five hundred rushing yards and like ten more rushing touchdowns. If you put up forty total touchdowns with thirty five hundred total yards, that's really good. You're for sure like one of the top three viewed quarterbacks. I think what it is is with Jalen, the ceiling's even higher. Like with Jalen. I think the floor is higher, too. He makes the more basic decisions a little bit better, and you get more of the option game. Yes. But the ceiling for Jalen Daniels is Heisman candidate. I, I think of Jason Bean, if we went into the year saying he was a top-five oh, quarterback his, in the Big 12. The ceiling is pretty high, too. I think. Maybe. But I, I think with Jason Bean, it'd be like, okay, he is at his ceiling. He's a top-five quarterback. Like, I'm not expecting him to be a Heisman guy. I don't know. No, yeah, probably not. I think with, with Jason Bean, it would just be the inconsistency that would drag him down. That would make him not a Heisman candidate. That would make him not a preseason offensive player of the year mm-hmm. type player. Yeah. But either way, you're really set. Uh, I feel confident enough saying that Jason Bean is probably is the best backup, best backup. in the Big yep. 12. Definitely like you could say backup. you could say oh Arch Manning has the most like in 6 years from now Arch Manning could be a first round pick and you're like six well 6 years. I don't know, whatever. 4 years whatever it is, you know. 3 years. Uh Arch Manning could be a first round pick and you're like, "Well, he was their backup this year." But as like for actual play in 2023, Jason Bean is probably well, better dude, right now. Experience matters. Yeah, obviously. of course. Of course. Yeah. And this dude's in his 6th year. Mhm. So, I mean, you feel good about that and again, going back to the idea if he was your guy, you would still feel confident about feel the quarterback good. position. Yeah, you'd of course. feel good. It's Jason uh, then you get your next up, which is, I guess, kind of a debate. Who's going to be the third string? Who's going to be you know, the fourth string here? Mikey Pauly, who's your redshirt freshman, transfer from Nebraska, and Ben Easters, who is a redshirt sophomore. So with Mikey Pauly kind of brought in basically as a result of Ethan Vasco departing the program because it was pretty clear that Ethan Vasco was the third string guy, as evidenced by the fact that he played last year when uh, with when both Bean and Daniels were unavailable. So he leaves, and then Kansas goes out and gets Mikey Pauly for some extra depth uh, at quarterback. He's a also was a great baseball player. 
uh, and he's from the area. I think he went to Blue Valley North Northwest. West. Okay, yeah, Blue Valley Northwest. Uh, so, you know, local guy from the area comes in, and now you have basically a competition for that third-string spot between him and Ben Easters, who has been in the program now for a couple of years. Uh, and, you know, it's just a situation where I think, Kay, you wanted to shore that up a little bit with Ethan Vasco leaving. Uh, we, we talked about it, right? Ethan Vasco leaving was not an oh-crap moment for KU, but it was a, well, you know, we felt the we felt like the long-term trajectory of the quarterback position was really high, and it's dropped a little bit with him leaving because it felt like he it felt like the, he everyone liked him in the program, coaches liked him, everything like that. So <laughs> they go out and get Mikey Pauly just to kind of shore up that a little bit. Mikey Pauly. And now, why did you say that? That's just what I think every time I hear it. Anyways, so now you have two guys playing for the third string spot, and honestly, I don't know who's gonna get it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know without having without being privy to you know being part of what they're doing in practice and whatnot. Yeah, the the real answer here is who performs better in camp, right? That's the obvious answer. Um, if I'm going with a guess right now, I'm gonna assume Ben Easters is the third string this year, just because Mikey Pauly joined after spring ball, like. Specifically yeah. at the quarterback position, it's tough when you when you have to learn the whole playbook and you, like well, as the quarterback, about, you have to any, know what everyone's doing. Think about any Kolnicki's offense too. Mm-hmm. It's not just a plug and play type offense at the quarterback position. I don't think. No, for sure. Yeah, it's very complicated. So because I think that'll take time, I would assume Easters would be the third string this year. But then maybe this is one of those things where by like midway through the season, Mikey Pauly. Similar, like, with, I don't know, like, Lorenzo McCaskill started playing more later in the year. Uh, Kobe yeah. Baines, you know, started playing more later in the year. I, I view that to be the case. Like, I think Paulie probably has a higher ceiling than Easters. So, long-term, probably profiles to be ahead of him. But in the short-term right now, probably Ben Easters. Either way, though, I don't think you view either of those guys as being... I mean, it's the same situation as last year. Like, you don't expect or want to see them yes. on the field. That's the thing. If if something happens that gets them on the field, it's, it's bad. A very bad thing that <laughs> happened. It's not disrespectful to them. It's just, you know, and who knows? Maybe there's I mean, potential on those guys. Yeah, it's, it's not good. And then you have the uh, others on the roster. I don't really have a ton to add here. You might, I don't know, Cole Ballard is a freshman. I think some of these are maybe not all of them, or maybe if not all of them are walk-ons. TJ Cruz, the fourth, he is a freshman. And then the one of the, the great names, Jack Jackson, who Jack. is a redshirt sophomore. Sophomore. Jackson. Yeah. Love that. Double Jack. That's like if I named my kid John. Johnson. John. Yeah. yeah. John Johnson. John would you John. do that? No, I would not. Why not? Uh, you don't like John Johnson? No, I don't. What if you named him Jonathan Johnson? Uh, no, nah, still not. Still not uh, <laughs> Still not doing well for me. No. Man. I'm out on that. Wow. Uh, so I guess biggest story or questions? It's got to be health, right? Yeah. Uh, we've talked about this. Jalen Daniels has not played a full season for KU yet in his career. Hasn't happened. That's got to be a little bit concerning. So you have that. He also hasn't played a season where he hasn't gotten hurt at least once. So that that's definitely the biggest concern. But again, you have the best backup in the conference, the most experienced backup in the conference, probably without looking at the backups of every other team in the conference with Jason Bean. But obviously you don't want to see Jalen Daniels not play every game if you're KU this year because he's the guy that gives you the chance, the best chance to win every game that you play. He's the guy that raises the ceiling of the offense to the max compared to Jason Bean. He's more consistent. Uh, he's maybe less prone to making big mistakes that we've seen Jason Bean make at times 
in the past. So, yeah, obviously the health is the biggest question. And when you have an offense like Andy Kolnicki's offense where you want to run some triple option stuff, where you want to use the quarterback running the ball, that's always something that's going to be sitting in the back of your mind, right? I mean, there's just no way to avoid it. There's just no way to avoid it. When you have, I mean, even with like, even with a guy like Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs, like the threat of injury is always there and it's always looming. Uh, and you just have to, you know, it's it's football. You play and then you just, you have to play fearless until it happens. Mm-hmm. And, or, or I guess obviously you don't want it to happen, but so that's, that's, that's got to be the biggest storyline, I think, is just what what does Jalen Daniels look like healthy for a full season? What do his numbers look like? What does the KU offense look like? And I think we both agree that if that's the case, you figure KU is going to be a top 20, top 25 offense in the country if Jalen Daniels is fully healthy playing all 12 games. Yes. So that, that 100% is the biggest question there. Um one thing that I don't know that we've talked about enough, so let's talk about it now, is how both these guys, like, we're almost under the assumption that, okay, they were both really good last year. They'll just be the same this year. What if they get better? What if they take another step forward? Like, what would that even look like, I guess? I don't know, because Jalen Daniels, before he got hurt last year, was a Heisman contender. So him getting even better, I guess, would mean, like, legit Heisman Heisman later, winner later yeah. in the season, so uh, I don't know. And you know, I don't know how much of the Jalen Daniels Heisman talk was just kind of ancillary to the whole K football storyline. Yeah. Like, like how real was it? Rising from the ashes, mm-hmm. starting five and zero, oh, like, and then you slap a Heisman contender quarterback on on the front of that, and it, everyone it draws everyone's attention, right? So I don't, you know, I I mean, if J, if KU football has the exact same start this year that they had last year, where they're four and zero, oh, five and zero, oh, Jalen Daniels is playing really well. Is he gonna? Is it gonna be Jalen Daniels Heisman talk again? That's tough to say. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean, he could. He, he could if he does take a step forward, even better. And there are there are certainly things that I think he could do that to improve. And I'm sure that that's what they're going over in practice, and whatnot. And Jalen Daniels is the type of player, just from speaking to him during media availabilities and whatnot, he's the type of guy that is always striving to be better. He's the type of guy that's always striving to be perfection. He's not just gonna be okay with the status quo. Oh, I'm a really good quarterback. That's fine. No, he, he's the type of player that definitely wants to wants to continue to improve all the time. Yeah. And so if that does happen, you know, maybe maybe improvement from Jalen Daniels looks like less interceptions, less sacks, you know, smarter decision making. Or maybe it looks like more accurate deep balls or, you know, whatever. Fill in the blank if you're whatever he could improve. And, yeah, I mean, this guy could be the limit if he does improve. For sure. And I think with Jason Bean, it's it's even more apparent to me because, I mean, just look how much he improved from his first year at Kansas to his second year at Kansas. Yeah, it was night. And, he was very inconsistent his first year. I think looked, in the end he looked confident. Yeah, completely different guy. He went from being someone who was probably still an improvement over KU quarterbacks of the past, minus the one year of Carter Stanley, but still he had as many touchdown passes as he had interceptions in year one. He went from that. To being a guy that, yeah, if you would have been the starter all year long, he he maybe gets all conference recognition. So, like, I, I don't think it would be crazy to see yeah. either guy take another jump forward. Now, well, I, and for I, Jason Bean, mm-hmm. it, I think the where where he could take a jump forward is with his leadership, right? Uh, you know, being a sixth year guy that is the backup quarterback, like there are certain things you can improve that where. 
And that and it may not even be something that shows up on the stat sheet. It may not even be something that is quantifiable. But if he takes the next step in that area and maybe is someone who's more vocal in the locker room that really helps grow the rest of the team, that that could be huge. Yeah, it could. Decision-making, quick decision-making. And then uh, I think the other biggest storyline beyond that is just that battle for QB3, which we kind of talked about, Mikey Pauly, Ben Easters. Because that does set you up, though. Whoever yeah. does win it or whoever is in the best shape by the end of the year is, in it's theory— probably going to have a real chance to compete for— the starter spot job. if Jalen yeah, were to Jaylen. go pro at the end of the year. Yeah. If Jalen goes pro at the end of the year, then it's basically Isaiah Marshall versus the winner of that feel, third string. Yeah, battle. you feel yeah. really, really good about Isaiah Marshall, but the reality situation is he's he's going to be a true freshman. Mm-hmm. So, like you know, that the, even I mean, dude, even five star, you know, best in the class quarterbacks don't always start as true freshmen. No, they don't. So it is going to be very important for uh, that kind of battle. Okay, the ultimate question here: uh, confidence scale. Scale of, I don't know, 1 to 10. 1 to confident. <laughs> sure, 1 to confident. Uh, are they better, worse, or the same than last year? I mean, they're obviously not uh, worse, right? Better, yes. Could you make the argument they're worse because they don't have Ethan Vasco and Bean and Dale- Daniels well, are the but same? nobody cares about that. Okay. Well, is that too mean? I, I get what you're saying. You're not saying like, you don't care about Ethan Vasco. Yeah, you're saying, saying like it's a third-string it, quarterback. Exactly. It, it shouldn't have to matter. Exactly. That yeah. should not affect your overall ranking of the position group. I think they're the, I think they're better. I don't see how they couldn't be better. And le- again, I mean, unless, you can make the argument wanna, the same. Unless you want to spin it with the Vasco stuff to where they are we they have weaker depth, but I think when you look at it from just a two deep standpoint, their depth is A plus. So yeah, at some point with every position, if you just keep going deeper and deeper in the depth chart, your depth gets worse. Wow. Shocker. <laughs> Great analysis. So uh yeah, I think better. I'm going better. I could see the argument for the same. Well, I mean, I, sure, fine. I, I I guess it depends how you how you view it. If you're counting the injury stuff, then you would just hope you're going to be better off from the injury. There, there's very much a case that you know Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean. At this point, they've both shown to be really good players. That it's tough to surpass that. It's like you know Todd Reesing, his sophomore year statistically was probably his best season at KU. Um, and it's not that he got worse his next two years. I think it's just that he was the same, but the talent around him wasn't as good. Right? So you're looking at his junior year. He had Des Briscoe and, and Kerry Meyer, and he still put up unbelievable numbers. You know, and, and then maybe your offensive line gets worse. Maybe you have less uh, of a running game. You lose Brandon McAnderson, even though you still have Jake Sharp. Well, that shouldn't happen this year because no, 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 your no. entire team is back. No, no. Yeah, yeah. You're No, I... I, I I'm not saying that Jalen Daniels is going to have like worse production. What I'm basically saying is we've seen it before, and it does happen at the college, collegiate level. It's it's kind of the analogy you made the other day in the NCAA football game. Oh, yeah. When, you, Dude, yeah, when you're playing on 14. Dynasty, everybody goes up. <laughs> you recruit a guy, yes. and he's like 76 overall, and no matter what happens, every year his rating goes up Correct. by like four or five points. When in reality, some guys yeah. just hit their peak when they they're 18, the 19, 20, and they stay the yeah. same, right? Yeah. So it's, it's very possible that Jalen and Jason Mee, which – if they stay the same to what they are, that's still that's more good. than good enough for that's you to good. be a really good team. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. But you could argue that would be the case. I, I do think, though, that's just me kind of playing devil's advocate. Like, I don't know how you could not say they – you would hope they're better, right? Yes. I mean, another offseason, it still is only really – Year 
two and year a two half. of the Kotelniki offense, oh, right? Yeah. Where they because yeah, they didn't really have the full thing in year one. No. They joined so late, you know. No. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's but I gave them a half. Yeah, I gave them a half for that. Yeah, is that fair? A half? I think so. Yeah, that's fair. So two and a half. Yeah, which means that yeah, they they should be better than they were last year, and. If it does end up getting down to the third string, like if they do have that much injury and it gets to the third string, then you might end up saying it's worse than it was a year ago. But if they end up being healthier than they were a year ago, then it's definitely better just on merits of having your really good players out there even longer. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Better than last year. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We'll do our running back preview on tomorrow's show. That'll be a fun one for sure. Uh, David Lesky of Inside the Crown is going to join the show in about 15 minutes. We'll uh, talk to him about Royals baseball and the MLB draft, who the Royals took in the first round and everything coming up shortly. This is RCST on KLWN, depending on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That time on a Monday, we talk with David Lesky of Inside the Crown. You can uh, catch up on all his stuff with Inside the Crown. Subscribe to his Substack, emailed right into your inbox. And uh, obviously a lot to talk about right now because it's the end of the first half of the season. You have the All-Star break coming up here. Then you'll have the second half. And beyond that, yesterday was the MLB draft, which I want to start right there, David. The Royals had pick eight in the draft. And, you know, there were a couple targets on the board that a lot of people were like, oh, this guy would make sense, that guy would make sense. They ended up taking Blake Mitchell, a prep catcher from the uh, high school level. And, and I think, uh, I, I guess I want to start with this here because, You'll see some people talking about this just around town or on social media or whatever, the idea of uh, taking a player who's going to cost less. You hear the term under slot value, and I think immediately some fans freak out to the idea of, oh, it's the Royals being cheap again, it's John Sherman being cheap, um, without knowing that the MLB draft actually has like a cap on the amount of money that you can spend on the picks, and so by saving money on one pick, you can use it later. So I, I want to start here. Given who had gone and the players that were available at pick eight for the Royals, uh, I guess to me the strategy of taking a quote-unquote unslotted or, or underslotted player uh, makes sense if you have a bunch of players in the same tier, if you don't have a player that you're like, we absolutely love. So do you think that strategy made sense this year for the Royals at pick eight, or would you like to see them go in a different direction? So uh, the reason I didn't like that strategy, and, and the reason I didn't like it a couple years ago, I think it was, and they ended up getting Ben Kudna, and he's looking pretty good, so I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like there was just too much space between their eighth pick and their second pick, which was pick 44. Um, well, their first pick, the eighth pick. And, and the reason I say that is you look at a team, the Mariners are a great example. They picked three times between the Royals' first and second picks. You know, teams had multiple picks in between the Royals first and second picks. And so you can say, Oh, I, okay, this is the plan. We're going to get Blake Mitchell at eight, give him, you know, a million under slot, whatever. And then we're going to take whoever it might be. Is it Thomas White? Is it, um, how the shortstop, you know, and give him a million over slot. And that's obviously way more simplistic. And that's a great idea. The problem is that I think there was just too much space between the picks. And so that's, that's why I didn't love it. Now, I think that there is a pretty good argument to be made if you say, like you said, okay, they have Blake Mitchell on a roughly similar tier with Kyle Teal and Tommy Troy and Matt Shaw and whoever. Um, you know, the, the, the pitcher, again, blanking on his name right now, who went 10th to the Marlins. But, 
you know, uh, Noblemeyer. 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 Thank you. Jeez, I, I was. <laughs> oh, uh, apparently I'm having senior moments before I turn forty. But <laughs> um, you know, if you have those in the same tier, okay, yeah, take the guy who maybe costs the least. You know, if you believe, if your team that you're trusting believes in this, okay, I get that. And because you, know, you can look ahead, last year their 20th round pick was Austin Charles, who is really looking good in low A right now. He was thought to be maybe unsignable. The Royals were able to give him their fifth highest bonus in the entire draft because of some savings earlier in the draft. So it, it's hard to know right now if it's a good strategy or not because the whole draft has to play out. So you, just from an 8-44, and 44, though, standpoint, I didn't like it because of the gap in between. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I, I think to me it's like, you know, like, I, I didn't totally understand, for instance, uh, the Pirates, uh, if it was – there was the talk – and it didn't end up going this way, I, I think. I don't I don't know. We'll see what he signs for. But there was the talk before the draft of, like, oh, they're going to take, you know, some other player because they, they don't want right. to pay the, the – at that point, it's like you're picking first. Just, you know, just get the best player possible. But, you know, I guess I can understand it a little bit more. But you, you mentioned the Royals doing it recently, um, and it seems like they do it more often than they don't. I don't know. Maybe that's – uh, me looking too much into just a couple of recent cases here. Uh, does it make sense to, I, I guess, if you're going to do it, like just make that your thing? Like, you know how the Bill Belichick like trades down in every draft. Like if you're going to do it, if yeah. that's your process, always do it. Or, or I, I, I don't know. Does it make more sense or less sense knowing that? I mean, in general, probably maybe more sense. Um, the problem is every draft is different, of course. You know, it, it's not, not, and not just in, okay, you know, we know we're going to pick in the top 10 because we're bad, so blah, 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 all that. But, like, every other year, like this year they had a competitive balance around B pick. Last year it was a competitive balance A pick, and it alternates back and forth. They obviously traded that pick in the Drew Waters deal. But um, so there, there, are, there are different factors involved. But I think in general, yeah, if you're going to have a draft philosophy, have a draft philosophy. Don't bounce around. Do, do what you do. And, um I mean, obviously, it has not worked for them. I think there's, there's questions to be asked of whether it's because of their development or because of their choices. I, I tend to lean on development, personally. Um, but I, I'm not going to say that I'm, I'm going to argue with you if you think it's the other way. And, um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like an A-B test. If you do multiple things differently, you don't know what was the cause of the winner. <laughs> so... Yeah, if you're going to have this strategy, have this strategy. Go all in, and you know they they haven't always done that, but um, yeah, it's they do seem to do it a lot. Yeah, uh, I, I think the biggest comparison that's going to be looked at for years is the Kyle Teal versus versus yeah. Mitchell part because they are the same position. Um, I know there's been a lot said about prep catchers not really working out. You wrote in your weekend review kind of how. Uh, that shouldn't get held against Mitchell here for for a couple different reasons that I'll let you share here or uh, that you can leave some of it for for people to go read because they should with Inside the Crown. Um, but but I guess what were your thoughts on them taking Mitchell over Teal if, if catcher is the position they wanted to go to? Yeah, I mean, I didn't... Here's the thing. You're, you're looking at... They are the same in that they're both left-handed hitting catchers. <laughs> and And then outside of that, you're looking at uber upside and Mitchell and really safe floor with Teal and some, I mean, it's not like he's without upside obviously, but um, I mean, I think with Teal from, from what I understand, and I mean, I don't pretend to be a complete draft expert. I, I like to look at a few players, but 
Teal is going to be a guy who, if he hits the ceiling, is going to get you 18 home runs, not, you know, 20 home runs, whatever. Like Mitchell, if he hits the ceiling, he's going to be a 45 home run bat. And, again, this is ceiling. This is not, I think this is what they're going to be. But there's just a lot more upside in Blake Mitchell. I don't know if he can catch. Um, he has a great arm. He's, he's a two-way player, actually. So it's funny you say, if it doesn't work, they can put him on the mound. If, if pick eight doesn't work, you're not just putting him on the mound. Let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not the, the end result. But um, I, I, Teal is, is a defensive – he's a catcher. He's going to stay there. Blake Mitchell might have to go to first base. He's, I've heard outfield. I don't know that he's athletic enough to play the outfield. Of course, I thought MJ Melendez was athletic enough to play the outfield. He's clearly not good there. So maybe it's more about instinct than athleticism. But either way, I, I think that, you know, they're, they're very different picks. Um, and, you know, on the, on the high school catcher front, this is, I think this is interesting because historically high school catchers have been bad. Um, and I, I went back and looked at the first round high school prep catchers. There have been seven drafted since 2015, which probably speaks to the risk. Um, in, in some way, at least. So keep that in mind. There have been seven picks. Um, one of them is Tyler Stevenson, who is a pretty good big league catcher. Um, I mean, he's, I'm looking at his numbers right now. He's, he's sitting in his career at 281, 358, 425 hitter. Um, he had a 319, 372, 482 line last year. He, he's been good in the big leagues. Not, not great, but good. He's okay defensively, you know. He's a, he's a prep catcher from 2015, I think. Is when, yeah, it must be 2015 when he, he was drafted out of high school in Georgia. And then there's six other guys. Um, I don't have them up, but there's there's six prospects who, well, one's in the majors, Bo Naylor. We saw it. We've seen him a lot with the Guardians over the last couple weeks. Um, but including him, there's there's him and five other guys. Four of those six were top 100 prospects to start the season. So. You're looking at now the last seven prep catchers drafted in the first round, and one's a success story. Four are at least projected to be success stories, and the other two are not good, but that's kind of a general hit and miss with, with drafting as, as a whole. So I wonder a little bit. I think that you, know, you look at the, the right way to put this. The least advanced front office in baseball today is head and shoulders more advanced than the most advanced front office from 20, 25 years ago. And, and maybe that's not the right number, but you get the idea. It's, there, there's so much more information available today than there ever has been that even even the bottom tier knows more than the top tier did years ago. And I, and I think that with that in mind, you know, it's interesting. And we'll, we'll see. We'll see if it works out. The Guardians pop for another prep catcher <laughs> this year in the first round. So, um, I know it's not a top 10 pick, so they're not getting destroyed over it. And also, they are a successful franchise where the Royals are not right now. But um, they're, the, the, the recent history actually isn't quite as bad as the long-term history. Well, I, I think immediately on one hand, uh, when you know that Salvador Perez is getting older and um, you see a catcher get taken in the top 10 by the Royals, the immediate thought might be, okay, they're they're setting themselves up for, for the next you know Salvador Perez um, or, or the next guy to kind of take over, and does that make Salvador Perez more, uh, I don't know, dishable at this point in time, even though there's the complications with the uh, no-trade clause and everything. 
But sure. um, I, I guess on the other side, because it is a prep catcher, like I don't know, I might not see him for five, six years at that point, right? So does that almost does that almost lock them into Salvador Perez more, right? Like do, I, I I don't know, maybe maybe the no trade deadline, like or, or the no trade clause that that are on its own is going to make it um, untenable to happen, but. Uh, d- does this have any impact on the way you view Salvador Perez's future with the team? No, not really. I mean, they drafted Carter Jensen uh, about two years ago, so he's a catcher who um, prep catcher hasn't really hit. So there's there's another data point. Not a first rounder, of course, but um, great great strike on awareness. Just hasn't hit yet. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. Um, they obviously got pretty fair. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that it necessarily says a whole lot about Salvi. I don't. I don't think they were targeting catchers. I think they were. Targeting who, whatever they're. I don't, I don't think it was. I don't think they drafted Blake Mitchell because he's a catcher. I think that they drafted a player who is a catcher, and um, so I don't think it has a whole lot of impact on him, on Salvi. But you know, they also do have to be kind of prepared for well, what's coming because Salvador Perez he's thirty three years old. Um, he's shown his age for a while this year. After and some of it, I think he got hit on the hand, and, and that's it's been bad since then. But um, he hasn't stayed healthy for a full season. And in, I mean, he did in 2021, but you know, missed all of 19, missed a lot of time in 20, missed some time last year, missed some time this year. Here and there, hasn't been an IL stint, but um, this is—he's getting up there. <laughs> they have to prepare for a future without Salvi. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I guess speaking of which, he's—he's he's been struggling right now. What is, what is going on with with Salvador Perez? You know, I. This is a yearly occurrence for the Royals that Salvador Perez gets hurt. They don't force him into sitting, and he comes back and struggles. And it's annoying because he had hit in the hand against uh, the Reds. Yeah, it was it was that Red series, and came back. Let's see, they played the next day, and they had the next day off. So he got hit on a Tuesday. So he got as a second plate appearance. Ended up getting basically. Uh, two and a half days off. So that's, you know, good for him, I guess. <laughs> but um, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but when he came back, I'm pulling him up right now because I'm, I'm curious to see where they where they landed. Um, he came back from that on that Friday night against the Angels, or maybe it was, might have been Saturday, maybe he missed the Friday game, whatever it was. Um, and he has played in... 18 games, 19 games. Of course, my internet's being slow and not, not showing me. But his, I can tell you, his numbers have gone from 274, 310, 506 to 246, 289, 435. He has, he has one multi-hit game in that time. He has one extra base hit in that time. He is Salvador Perez, so he's walked four times. It's actually a lot for him. Um, he's just not producing. And... This is after getting hit on the hand when people thought he might have broken his finger. I, I just don't understand what the what the drawback of giving a guy 10 days off is, especially when you probably feel pretty good about Freddie Fermin right now. He looks really, really good in, in the role he's played. He's had to play a bigger role because obviously he's a lot. I, I don't know. I, just, I feel like the, the easy answer is that it's the hit-by-pitch that's caused this because he was going pretty good before that. So I'm not too worried about in the long term, but I kind of hope he doesn't play tomorrow night in the All-Star game. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Yarbrough pitched really well last week. Uh, just gave up one earned run over over six innings yeah. of work. Does this mean anything long term? Is it just a blip on the radar? I don't know. Any trade value? Uh, anything to do with this uh, outside of just what it was? 
Uh, I think it mostly just what it was. Very cool. I mean, really, really great to see him back on the mound. So there's that. But um, yeah, I think there's a little trade value. I don't. I don't. Teams need innings, and they. Yeah, I look at what the Cardinals did in. Oh gosh, what year was that? They traded for Jay Happ and um, John Lester a couple years ago. Twenty must have been twenty one. And those guys weren't pitching that well, but they gave innings, and the Cardinals and ended up pitching. Lester at least pitched pretty well for the Cardinals down the stretch. But I mean, they gave up Lane Thomas, who's having a really nice year for the Nationals. So I think there's value. I don't know what the value is, uh, but I think more likely is it's just a nice little blip on the radar. Fun little story for a day. Good for Yarbrough to get back. And it was really scary when he went down. So nice to see him on the mound. And, and, and hey, hopefully there is value. I'm just not sure that there is. Mm-hmm. Um Bobby Witt continues to, I guess, kind of heat up after the slow start to the season. After he did this last year, too, and a uh, year before kind of in the minors, it, does it just become an expectation at this point that, that he's that's just who he is? He starts slow, and then he kind of picks it up. Yeah, um, you'd like him to start a little faster, or, or at least stop starting or stop the slow start a little sooner. Should the maybe, Royals but... give him a calendar that like starts a month earlier? Yes. Um, they should tell him that opening day is actually, uh, I don't know, I'm going to go the wrong way here. But, yes, they should. They should. It, it, who was it? Oh, gosh, they had a pitcher who they used to throw a simulated first inning in the bullpen. And then he'd come out, and it was like the second inning for him. Um, whatever that, whoever that was, <laughs> they need to do that. Because since June uh, 2nd, because the Royals were off June 1st, Wood has hit, hit over 300, 356 on base, 463 slugging percentage. Um, power was kind of gone for a little while. I think some of that was, um, hey, we are rebuilding from the ground up. So it might you, – you, you, you're going to hit some singles. You're not going to swing for the fences. And, um, that's been fine, but he's he – we'll get to this. He had a really good week with extra base hits. So um, gave away an answer, I feel like. But, um, yeah, he's been really good. It's been nice to see him and Garcia – at the top of the lineup, at the left side of the infield, I feel pretty good about that. Well, not a great last week for the Royals to head into the All-Star break. I believe just one win over the last week. Uh, I don't know, maybe... Uh, but it was yesterday. That's true. That's true. So you're ending on a high note. They're on pace. If they keep that up into the second half, they'll, they'll never lose again. Uh, Bobby Witt, I don't know, maybe he'll be the answer here. Who, who is the player of the week? It's got to be him. I mean, he 345, he had six extra base hits, uh, three doubles, a triple, and two homers. Yeah, almost hit for the cycle on uh, Saturday. He, he had a he had a really really good week, and, and he's he's looking he's looking like an all star, and he might be starting to look like a star, which is really good for the Royals. All right, he is David Lesky. You can check out all his work. Subscribe to his Substack Inside the Crown. David, appreciate the time as always, man. Have a good uh, week off with the All Star break and, and not getting to torment yourself with some Royals baseball for a few days. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> that was David Lesky of Inside the Crown joining us here to talk Royals baseball, MLB draft on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. Coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, switch gears a little bit. We're going to uh, honor Hank Booth, the late, great Hank Booth, that uh, unfortunately passed away at the end of last week. Can uh, tell some fun stories with David Lawrence and, and Matt Llewellyn coming up on the other side. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it.
Welcome back in on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, KLWN, Nick Springer with Derek Johnson. We uh, are devoting the 4 o'clock hour to, to talking some Hank Booth, who, uh, you know, KLWN legend. Obviously, his dad started the station, and, you know, it's it's uh, been weird without having Hank here even the past couple of days. Uh, we're going to miss him, certainly, and we talked a little bit about this on Friday, too. But uh, I, I wanted to have some guests in today. We're going to be joined by Matt Llewellyn later this hour, too, just to give some good Hank stories, because... I did have interactions with him, and, and I've shared some of those, but you know, I, I haven't been in, in the weeds maybe as much as uh, some of these other guys. So David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Radio Network joins us now in studio. David, how's, uh, how's everything going, man? It's, it's good, um, uh, but, but, but certainly a little down because of the most recent events, and I think it's great that the station, both this morning and, and this afternoon, is devoting a lot of time to a, a great man who— along with his father, I mean, they had been the voices of Lawrence, Kansas since the 51 flood. <laughs> I mean, that, that's crazy. I mean, this is where Lawrence, Kansas has gone to collect information uh, from these two gentlemen for how many years? 70 years? I mean, that's just uh, that's quite a legacy. Yeah, I, I think to me— you know, one of the biggest takeaways that I've had from Hank's career is just the impact and, and I guess, care level about a local community. I mean, how much he has just cared about, whether it's been doing Lawrence High football games or talking to local businesses or, or getting out and doing things that are happening in the community. Uh, I think there's there's such a level of respect that I've, I've kind of had for, for what he's done for the city of Lawrence. No, no question about it. And... Uh... And and what he's done for people like myself, and you know, the, just the list goes on. I mean, Brian, you know, big in Brian's career yourself, and but you know, I go back uh, to to the '90s. I was uh, so blessed to have the opportunity to be a color analyst with football because of Tom Hedrick uh, giving me that chance in in um, 1983. Um, Shortly, things didn't work out for me as as a coach, uh, so I, I got into uh, public teaching and and um, married a beautiful woman uh, who had two sons, uh, Bill and Matt Sutter, and uh, went to the football banquet, the high school Lawrence High football banquet, and, and Lawrence High for people that are younger, you, you just can't imagine how big it was. I mean, it was as big as as Kansas athletics. I mean, it, it's it was the thing. And on Friday, you just got your life together around Lawrence High football. But it, but anyway, in the in the the banquets at the high school following the great seasons, which almost always ended yeah. in a state championship, yeah, pretty much every year. Yeah. I mean, the highlight of the night was to get to listen to uh, the audio highlights of Hank Booth calling, you know, all the great plays. I mean, that's what you waited for. And, you know, that was the climax of the night to listen to Hank Booth. Uh, then in 1993, uh, Derek, I, you know, I was teaching and coaching at South Junior High, but I thought, you know, uh, sports talk radio was a really big thing in Kansas City, and I, I got a wild idea that maybe I could pull this off in Lawrence. And I went to Hank and, you know, brought in all my, all of my valued experience <laughs> doing uh, hosting Sports Talk Radio, which was zero. <laughs> and he sat down with me and he says, you know what, David, I think it could work. And 
And so he kind of helped me put it together. It was only one time a week, but, you know, we decided, you know, that, that Lawrence High School was about, about as big as KU, and we do half of it, the Lawrence High School guests, and half of it, KU guests, and uh, a lot of different sponsors. I did this show in studio, and then, you know, old Chicago, just a number of venues, but we ended up at Don Steakhouse, which was uh, legendary back then on the east side of town. And it uh, it went well eventually. It started out kind of rough. And as I mentioned on this morning's show, uh, after my first couple of shows, I had an educator who was kind of a friend. He saw me at lunchtime and he says, hey, Lawrence, let me give you a tip. I listened to your show, Don't Quit Your Day Job, which, of course, was teaching <laughs> So it made me maybe more determined, but but also probably not a great, uh, didn't do a lot for my confidence. But but Hank at that time, I remember he said, hey, you're doing a great job. I listened to sports talk in Kansas City. You're just as good as them. And, you know, who, who knows what he really thought, but he, he probably knew that I needed that and, uh, you know, went on and, and pulled it together and, and the show kind of took off and, you know, Talena – uh, Kerbal was her name. Mm-hmm. She works at the stadium, excuse me, the station now. Uh, she was a big part of that, and she sold that. But um, we, we put together a lot of things with some legendary people who are no longer with us today. But it's all because of Hank Booth giving me the okay to start it, but also uh, building me up and the support to continue on when, as you know, Derek, your first your sh- first shows are not your best shows. No. And that's when you really need that support most. Yeah, and, and that's crazy to think back because that almost, in a way, is the birth of, of pretty much everything we're doing now. I mean, here with the show, with Rock Chalk Sports Talk, yeah. I mean, that doesn't happen if, if Brian Haney doesn't right. start the show. And, and Brian starting the show probably doesn't get the okay unless your show happens, yeah. you know? So it, it's kind of the birth of all this. And, you know, our, our shows like High School Sports Weekly, that like that's kind of the birth of that, too. Um but I guess that goes back to Hank, the idea that he was willing to, to kind of take a risk in that way and, exactly. and, you know, promote the station in a positive way. And I think um, Hank was was for anything that, that would help the community in that way. And I, I think that's probably why he wanted to do it, because you, you talk about, you know, um, with the, the Kansas City radio stations and stuff, um, it's, it's not the local Lawrence community. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to pick a fight or anything. I'm just saying, like. Lawrence is its own thing, and um, it's important to have that anchor back here. And I think that's what Hank kind of represented in the best positive way and and being able to, you know, understand that Lawrence is a little bit different than Kansas City. It is a little bit different than, than maybe Topeka. It is right here in the middle, and, and we have our own local awesome community, and to kind of stretch to that and, and fit to that specifically, I think, uh, best summarizes Hank's... Uh, radio existence here with KLWN and, and that he has been kind of the face of this station. You hit it on the head. You, you said Hank is, is he, he wants to do anything that will promote the place that he loves. And so it was his love for the Lawrence community and its people, its schools, uh, anything that would promote it uh, to, to bring out the best in it. He was all for and, and and that's why he gave me a shot. That's why he gave Brian a shot. That's why he gives you a shot. I mean, so everyone kind of spins off what what Hank saw in his vision of Lawrence, and that's just 
things that's going to bring out the best in our community that show off what we are and why we are a special community. Do you have a, a favorite Hank Booth, like, I don't know, memory or story of, of maybe him calling a game or, or being at some event that, that you were at? And... Uh, you, you know, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of some ones that I, it, it, it's um, probably the one that gets talked about the most is uh, back in the day was when he was doing a game with uh, uh, Lee Flashbarth and okay. and they were. They were calling, and, and Lee was a, a football player at Lawrence High and for uh, University of Kansas. And uh, Hank was really getting excited as uh, they were matriculating the ball down the field, uh, Lawrence High was. And, um, and and Lee commented on that gaping opening uh, on the offensive line and how the offensive line was uh, numbered when Lee went to school was by the alphabet, the the uh, gap between the center and guard was the A gap or A hole, and then the B gap was between the guard and tackle, and the C gap was between the tackle and tight end. And so Lee, very excited, talked about how that large opening in that first gap between the guard and center developed. <laughs> and you can imagine how that sounded on radio. So. That, that was talked about. But it's this enthusiasm, which right. is the same, you know, Matt Llewellyn was talking about earlier today. It's the same now as it was then. But, boy, you know, when I first heard him in the 80s, he was he was as good as anyone because what we want and what you want, you know, when it's your kid out there is you want the, it to sound like it's a big deal and nothing will replicate that like the excitement uh, of the play-by-play, and no one was more excited about football. And, and again, not just in the 80s, in the 70s, 60s, or, or the 2010s. I mean, it, it, it was paramount it, that he continued to have that enthusiasm throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's uh, a very good way of putting that. I mean, he just he, he loved doing Lawrence High football. He, he loved it. It was, uh, you know, one of his biggest passions. I mean, uh you know, we get we get paid for doing these games, but I, I really do believe, like, you, you hear that all the time, oh, I'd do it for free, right? Sometimes right. you just roll your eyes, like, yeah, would you, though? <laughs> Hank would have done it for free. Hank would have done the Lawrence High football games for free. He absolutely loved Friday nights during the fall, calling those games, getting excited for the big plays, seeing the Chesty Lions uh, come up with a victory and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, it's... It's uh, he he's called the city showdown the past couple of years and, and obviously many many years before that and uh, you know that that's going to be another area we miss him we I, I miss him for the morning show that that he got to talk to uh, all all the local businesses and and kind of find out what was going on in the community but you know we are getting closer to football season and and it's going to be weird uh, not having Hank on the on the call of those Lawrence High football games right or, or not being kind of associated with those um. Because I, I think for a lot of people, that is maybe the biggest memories you think of when you think of him, especially because, like you talked about with Lawrence High, I mean, they're winning, you know, state title after state title in the in, in the 80s, 90s, all, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, with Hank, you get the history side of it, too, of, of that great history of Lawrence High that um, you hope that we don't forget with, with them not winning a state title, you know, over the last, like, 20-whatever years yeah. since the split has happened. So, you uh, know, I, I think the thing to think about, and not to put pressure on you or Brian Haney or wh- whoever, 
who's going to take his place? You know, because it's it's a huge, huge gap now that we've got to fill in yeah. of someone that cares so much about this community and will come in every day and welcome, you know, uh, Joni Smith, happy birthday on June 13th, you know, and is going to be so excited uh, to, you know, welcome in to the community new franchises uh, who had the baby, yeah. you know, uh, which congratulations <laughs> yeah. is going to come up uh, for Derek Johnson and his bride. So, you know, who's going to do that in the future? And the answer is probably no one, not one person can yeah, everybody's fill in pick it everything. Up, right? So everyone's got to, everyone's got to pitch in and, and bring a little Hank mm-hmm. Booth, but cause he's irreplaceable. Yeah. Uh, do you have any, any stories or anything you could share? Because for me, by the time I arrived in Lawrence, um, I don't believe Hank was doing the, the PA anymore for, for KU basketball. Uh-huh. And I've, I've seen him on the call of PA during, you know, the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic with Brian Haney's event and, and everything that he does there. And that's always a good time. But, uh, you know, I, would, I was always hear stories, too, from friends about uh, like the Russell Robinson thing, for instance, of, of the New York from call New and stuff York. like that. And then the, the rest of the fans would say, New York, right? Um, I don't know. Any fun stories or, or other bits like that, that that Hank would do during the PA that uh, – you know, stick out to you from from his time doing PA with KU basketball. Well, first of all, he, he was a pro, mm-hmm. and you, you know, being a PA for Kansas basketball, you, you, you got to deliver it in a different way than when you're calling um, the the play by play for Lawrence High School. Um, so, you know, he couldn't use his emotions as much, but his excitement level was there, and he was a pro, and it would bring goosebumps. I I think that's what would happen if you were in. Uh, America's best college basketball venue with a great uh, PA announcer in Hank Booth is it would just raise the goosebumps, you know, hearing him call um, the Russell Robinson introduction and other people and, you know, announcing when Kansas comes out on the court or in halftime or at the end of the game. I mean, he was just a pro and he did it so well. And then, you know, the fact that he got up the next morning and <laughs> did his show at 8 o'clock. I mean, what does that tell And he does it every year. Mm-hmm. That's just it. And people today, of course, now that I'm in the older generation, it always bugs me when they say, man, I'm, I've been doing this forever, and it's been nine years. You know, I mean, we're talking 50 years, 60 yeah. years for Hank Booth. I mean, that's a career, ladies and gentlemen, when you can do something so long. And as you mentioned – doing it for next to nothing and would do it for free and continue to bring the best you have in calling something for a place that you love in Lawrence High School and Lawrence, Kansas. Yep. Well, I think that's a really good way to to kind of finish up here and and just to put it with Hank. Um, uh, we're obviously going to miss him at the station, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk some more here uh, throughout the you know coming days and, and coming shows. I think uh, I'm gonna chat with Brian Haney. Uh, we'll do that in person. We're going to be down at Big Twelve Media Days in Dallas in a couple days, so we'll we'll maybe get some more stories with Brian coming up uh, later this week as well. David, I appreciate you coming in here. I, I don't know if there's anything else that, that you want to leave with in, in thoughts about Hank or or anything you, else you want to share before we let you go. But I appreciate you coming in here today. Well, it's just great memories. Uh... You know, I had a chance to thank him several times, like I have Tom Hedrick. And and just, you know, as you get older, you just have to understand how blessed you were and the people 
uh, that helped you get where you are. And, you know, again, I'm so blessed to have had Tom and, and Hank uh, help me on this broadcast path because literally I didn't know anything about it. You know, I was not a journalism grad. And, you know, of course, then Bob Davis and Max Falkenstein, uh, but who, who are literally, uh, when they walked in a press box or into a media room uh, nationally at a Final Four or at a bowl game, people stopped and looked up and mm-hmm. saw, wow. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're building the, the local, I don't know, Kansas, Mount Rushmore of broadcasters in the 1990s, it's, it's probably what? It's probably Hank, Max, Bob, and Tom, right? I know. I mean, I should be way better than I am, right? <laughs> Those kind of mentors. I think your career's worked I've out underachieved. <laughs> That's what we have decided. I've way underachieved studying under the very best locally and nationally in sports broadcasting, but 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 yeah, uh, I, I, I'm truly blessed, and um, you know, a, a, until my mind fails me, I have so many stories to share about all these great men. All right, that's David Lawrence as we uh, talk Hank Booth today on KLWN, the uh, station most known for Hank. I'm right, Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, devoting the four o'clock hour here to uh, KLWN legend Hank Booth, and and we have his broadcast partner for for the last how many years have, have you and Hank been been doing LHS games together? Uh, well, the, I mean, last year was ten. Okay, so perfect round ten. Matt Llewellyn, uh, who has been doing Lawrence High games with with Hank for a decade now. Um, I guess first thing that comes to mind when you think of Hank Booth, when you when you think of his impact on uh, the community and, and the radio station here, what comes to mind? Well, icon, icon, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the, I mean the first thing I think probably is the fact that he'd been part of Lawrence for my entire life. I mean, I remember uh, as a kid. Uh, getting woken up by, well, mom and dad listening to KLWN every morning and listening to Arden and then Hank. And I just, I remember that very specifically. I mean, we just had it on. That was what was on the radio uh, in the mornings. And that's what we listened to. And then whenever there was a weather problem, you turn on 1320 and you listen to Hank because Hank would always be on the air broadcasting whatever the, you know, if there was severe weather. And so you always listen to that. And then and then, of course, you can't miss Friday night football. Friday night, Lawrence High football, Hank was on the air. And, I mean, I remember very specifically when, um, and I guess I would have been in high school at this time. I would have been, a, I, oh, well, I would have been in either ninth grade or, or either ninth or, uh, or, or sophomore at Lawrence High listening to Lawrence High and Hank have the call about on Jan Demby would have been our running back at that, at that point in time. And talking about Jan Demby run, run the ball. I mean, I remember that specifically. I, I think Jan I was going to say, do you Jan remember won- any of his state title calls? No, I, but I – no, because those were – so all of the state titles were right after me. So I graduated in 84, and then we won it – Lawrence High won in 85, and then on – and then multiple then. Yeah, in the 90s. Uh, and, yeah. Yes. And so I, at that point, was kind of away from – from Lawrence 
And so I don't remember that. But uh, I definitely remember him calling a, uh, a very long punt return or, or kickoff return by Jan Demby for a touchdown uh, that was a huge, huge touchdown that was going to propel us into the playoffs and 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 was just yeah, a, back in the day when not everybody call. made the playoffs. Right. Yeah, right. But again, but you Hank, as I as I've said, Hank would always during the broadcast he always loved to point out the fans who he knew that were in the stadium. He'd always love to point them out on the radio, and that was always cool. And he did that. Uh, and he did that probably more when we were at Haskell than he did when uh, at Lawrence High, but it was always a really cool thing. And then, and then from a personal note, when I was doing the games with him, uh, my first year, uh, the huge play where uh, Luke Padilla made the touchdown catch in the end zone, and 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 I was not, I was still under his tutelage, and I was still. He still kind of had me tied in, but I couldn't contain myself, and I was screaming, touchdown, <laughs> touchdown, Luke Padilla, he caught it, he caught it, and at the same time, I was hitting Hank on the shoulder, and 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 then I and then on the air, I was like, oh my God, I think I've I've heard Hank, I'm sorry, Hank, and and he was like, I'm, I'm and then we talked the whole radio, the the rest of the broadcast about his shoulder and how hopefully I didn't separate it, but hopefully I wasn't going to have to take him to the hospital. Uh, that was a very iconic moment for me. Uh, uh, and Hank too, because then he never let me live it down the whole rest of the time we were, uh, we broadcast together uh, for Lawrence high football. Yes. Yeah, is, is there, uh, you mentioned that moment, is there like a game or, or something that comes to mind most when you think of the games, all the amazing ones that you've gotten to broadcast, uh, in your time doing this with with LHS and, and Hank, repeat the question. I'm sorry. Yeah, is is there just like one game that sticks out to you the most? I don't know. Maybe it'd be like a city well, that was it. Or a playoff game. That, that would have been okay. it because it was so big. The the Olathan Olathan North game and that touchdown and that play because it was just so mm-hmm. it meant so much and it was and you know we had been trailing the whole game. I mean it, we had. And and then, and I believe Clothier was the was the uh, quarterback, and just a perfect pass in the corner of the end zone to Luke Padilla. And and at the time, well, it, it's crazy. There are certain aspects of certain games I remember, but that specifically because that was huge. And it was like with ten seconds left, so we were going to have to play a little a little defense, but. In in all essence, we we we'd won the game. Yeah, that was the game miracle. winner right there, and and uh, and Luke had not. And Luke was one of those guys that I was looking for all season long to make catches. And at that point, he had not caught anything, and it was pretty far into the season, at least four four or five games, and uh, and then the very next. And anyway, so that was huge, and that so that was his first catch of the of the season for a touchdown, and it was probably like the thirty, twenty to thirty yard touchdown pass, and um, and then the very next game against uh, Olathe Northwest, the first pass of the game was to Luke Padilla, and he separated his shoulder, oh. and then he was out for the season. And so, and the fact that he separated his shoulder, and I injured yeah, his shoulder say. on the on the on the on his, on his previous catch, but it 
so so that that game specifically, the Olathe North game, was probably probably the most memorable to me because of how great it mm-hmm. was, and 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 how it was just a funny call for Hank and I, and because then Hank talked about it. Then the re- I mean the rest of the time we were together. I mean it was kind of never let me live it down. And then of course Hank would never let me live it down. The first season when, or I guess it would have been the second season that I was with Hank. And he let me start doing play-by-play in the third quarter to see if I could do it. And I think on a very early call, I made the call, uh, and I I don't remember who the running back was, but as given the ball, he's got the 40, the 45, the 50, the 55, 60. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know if I made it to 60 before I stopped myself uh-huh. and, and then – and and he, and then I realized he's good. Go all the way, and he's all and and he scored a touchdown. But then and and Hank reminded me that there was no fifty-five yard line <laughs> in football, and and so the, and then that he ne- Hank never let me live that down either. So that was always a lot of fun, and um, uh, you know uh, the the free state games obviously were big with Hank. Uh, uh, I do I do remember when we lost. Uh, and we've lost more than I think we've won, but but we don't necessarily win the games we're supposed to win, and we don't necessarily lose the games we're supposed to lose. And Hank has always tried always tried to make me be very diplomatic uh, when you're talking about, especially Lawrence High Free State, and and the coaches, and you know the coaches love each other, and Lisher and Coach Lisher and Coach Wed, they're like brothers. I mean, they love each other. <laughs> And I'm like, and, and I told, and he was going on and on about the camaraderie between the two schools and the two coaches. And I say, and I think I stopped him. I said, Hank, I'm going to have to disagree. <laughs> I think Coach Wed is mad right now, and and uh, uh, and I might not have necessarily used those specific words. I, but I, I, I know I wasn't bad on the radio. But I, I, I don't think Coach Wed is going to be very loving towards. Towards uh, uh, Coach Lisher here in the next uh, uh, in the next week or so, mm-hmm. but I I don't know. And but Hank would always he would always try to play the diplomat. He never <laughs> wanted me to get too you know he didn't want me to get too riled and too crazy. But it was hard for me to not do that sometimes. Yeah. Well, and and beyond the actual on air the game broadcast. I mean, you're spending a lot of time next to Hank before the game, getting the equipment set up. Uh, in cases of road games or you know some of those trips down to Derby, you oh, have yeah. long car rides with Hank there and back. Uh, do you have any I don't know fun memories or, or stories from any of that? Well, the the kind of the craziest are the ones that had the technical mishaps, <laughs> and and Hank, uh, we were in I think it was Gardner Edgerton, and and the the whole broadcast was just messed up because it was we did not have a good connection, and I don't remember you know I don't know all the ins and outs of the electronics of the signal and how that all works and neither does Hank but we're so we're we're on the air uh and all of a sudden like in halftime we lose everything and so I call into the station on my cell phone and and Hank is like you just keep going Uh, just talk on the on your cell phone and so I attempt I think I was calling the entire third quarter on my cell phone and I was nervous. I was sweating and it was a cold night, but I was sweating because I had no idea how it sounded. 
I'm sure I was messing up because on, the, on my cell phone, I couldn't do anything. And I'm like, where did Hank go? Because he left at halftime. And I was like, he was, Matt, just keep going. You're doing fine. And and then he got back and he couldn't get up because the eleva- he was like stuck in the elevator or something like that to get back up into the into the press box. So he was stuck. He couldn't get up there. And and it was just it was so funny. And then I was Hank and I were just talked about it. It's like, Matt, it's all going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. Don't worry about it. So he calmed me down and made me not worry as much as I I was. But man, I was worried. I thought it was just terrible. And I figured that <laughs> that that's the last was going to be the last of me calling a Lawrence High football game. But Hank eased me down a little bit. I think you do it enough year. Like I remember shoot man, I one of my first years uh working here. I I had a similar situation. The equipment wasn't working. Had to f- call in on a phone. It was a free state game playing at uh oh gosh, it might have been Shawnee Mission East. I think they're playing at like Shawnee Mission North. I, it was a great game, but yeah, I had to call it on the phone and that was you know, that that never makes it uh uh, super, I don't know, enjoyable when you're doing the broadcast because you're more so just worried about everything that's going wrong. Um, you know, the one thing with Hank, too, that beyond the high school football stuff, because he he loved doing football Fridays, and you know, I mentioned this with David Lawrence, um, you hear all the time, you know, oh, I'd do this for free. I If I wasn't getting paid, I'd do it for free. Sometimes I think some people oversell that, and I don't think it's necessarily true. Hank would have done it for free. Hank would have done all the games for free. He loved High school football. He loved the Friday nights, uh, calling all those games. But, you know, beyond that, his impact to me is really felt, and, and it's part of it as well, on just what he, how much he cared about the community. And I think that's part of it with Lawrence oh, High and doing the football games, yeah. right? No, absolutely. He loved, well, he loved Lawrence High and he loved Lawrence. I mean, he just, he would have done anything for this community. If anybody asked him anything, he would, the answer was always yes. It's like, let me see, let me, uh, I probably need to talk to Sue, but uh, let me see what I can do. And I, 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 I'd love to get down there. Yeah. So he, he always attempted to do everything he possibly could uh, for any charity event that there was. Yeah. And it, and I will tell you one of the coolest things that, that I was able to do was present Hank, his chair and, and, and announced the renaming or the naming of the the Hank Booth booth. I think we call it the yeah, Hank Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to need an official name on that because we'll be able it's to, the, it's to the say Hank, that. It's the year. Hank Booth. The Hank Booth. It is Love calling it. to you from the Hank Booth at Lawrence High and and the ba- and, and presenting the banner and the chair. And, uh, you know, it was just a, a really, really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and... That 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 night, and we did that. That was an event at Abe and Jake's, and and um, it was just a, it was a really cool night and a really cool time uh, to be able to present Hank that chair. Yeah, and and I I I think the entire station thanks you. You really spearheaded doing that for Hank and and getting that done last year. I mean, um, very thankful that we were able to get that done. That he was able to you know experience that moment um, before this year. So. Uh, thank you to you, I guess, on behalf of the station for for kind of putting that together with Lawrence High and um, kind of getting the right people involved and talking on it and everything. Um, and, and, you know, you're a local business owner. We, Hank's morning show, his importance, I think, in talking to local business owners and, you know, sharing what's going on to the local community from that aspect. Like, I I think that's super important, too, because it is those local, local businesses that, that make up kind of the heartbeat of a local community. Yeah, I mean, and and. I think that if you ask 
people my age and above who've who've been in Lawrence most of their lives of who who the most impactful person uh and I'll I'll say that most impactful local celebrity that you know or that or that you you uh, that Lawrence has to offer Hank Booth would certainly be up mm-hmm. there he was certainly mine and when I came back to town and and was redoing my menu and I knew that I wanted to put people's names on the menu Hank Booth was the first it was the Hank Booth burger that was the first item at the 23rd Street Brewery that we named for somebody wow was the Hank Booth burger did it before the bill self before the, uh Danny was pr- no Danny and Bill were the same time uh Danny Bill and Chris Piper but the very first thing that I did was the Hank Booth burger and 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 that was I mean I just knew Hank's impact in this community I mean he Yeah how did that go by the way did you just ask him what he I don't know what would most want to eat or, or what, what I, I said know. I said Hank I said I want to I want to give you a burger I said I want to give you a burger and what do you like on your burger and he's like oh I like everything <laughs> and I was like okay what about mushrooms grilled onions barbecue sauce cheddar cheese what do you think that that sounds like my kind of burger <laughs> so that was his burger and he ate it I mean, I don't think he ever got anything. When he came in the brewery, he he never got anything else. That's always what he got. That's got to make you feel even better, right? Oh, yeah. You, you nailed Absol- the pick. Absolutely. Right? No, he loved it. Yeah. He loved it. And it was really cool, and I'm very, very glad we did it. Uh, uh, but he was he's the first menu item that we named. That's that's awesome. That's awesome that you get to see. Yeah, I, I love the Hank Booth Burger. How could you not? Um, so, I mean, I, I guess with Hank um, – you know, th- there's so much to his career that it's almost impossible to kind of summarize it and just talk about it in one way. We've talked about the Lawrence High football, the you know morning show and stuff. Um, I don't, how much do you remember of him doing PA with with KU basketball? I mean, who doesn't remember the Russ Rob New York, New York? I mean, that was that and he got to do it this past year at the uh, Rock Truck Rock uh, Ball yep, Classic, our, which was yeah, cool. absolutely, yeah. and that was really really cool. Uh, God, I you know what I. I looking back in that net right now, I, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't soak that in. Yeah. I didn't, I, I, I was there. I heard it. I was like, wow, that's really cool. I, th- I mean, had I known that Hank wasn't going to be with us two weeks later, I would have. Yeah. I, I, well, I, that, it's hard to think. It about. is. It's well, I, I will about. say the beauty in that for me is that I had never heard him do the right. I hadn't been to Lawrence, uh, you know, when Russ Robb's career was ongoing. I had never heard Hank do that before, but I had heard from friends that he did do it. And so for we me, that didn't was. didn't realize quite that it was Hank Booth, but it no. was Hank Booth. Yes. And, and, and Haney and I were talking about this earlier today. Uh, th- that was that that was the most iconic call we had have ever had at Allen Fieldhouse. I don't remember anything prior or since that was that iconic of a call at Allen Fieldhouse for the PA announcer. Mm-hmm. And and that was just, that was the coolest thing in the world. I mean, and I, I mean, it was cool to be in the Fieldhouse when everybody would scream when he'd do Russell Robinson from New York and then the entire crowd would see New York. I mean, it, it was just, it was cool. I loved it. I thought it was awesome, and uh, you know, it's kind of, and it's kind of one of those things that is. Uh, 
oh, what I call it. It's not staged when it just kind of is natural. Yeah. It's kind of a natural thing that just happens. And that's that's what Hank was able to do with a lot of stuff that he did on the air. Yep. And it was just, it just happened. It's a great way of putting it. And it was really cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to get across or, or share. Obviously, there's so much with uh, uh, Hank, but, yeah, you know, I, My mentor, uh, I would not, I, there's no way I be would have been able to call Lawrence High Football without Hank and Hank in my world. And, 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 and I love calling Lawrence High Football. As everybody knows, I love it. It's, it is, it's, I love doing it. And it's going to be a lot different this year without Hank. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of stuff that, uh, it's just going to be a lot different. Yep. And, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. God willing, I'll be able to do it uh, for as many years as Hank did, uh, but c- because I do love it. Yeah. And I love it. And Got I, a long way to go. Uh, a long way to go. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd be 90. If I, if, uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll do the math here later. Yeah, God, 54 years. No, yeah. I will be long gone. There's no way that I will be able to do it 54 years. Uh, I'm sure that I will be gone. Uh, but, man, I, I do love doing it, and it's all because of Hank. Yeah, it is. He's Matt Llewellyn. Thanks for coming in, man, and Thank uh, you, sharing Derek. all the thoughts. All, all right. right. We'll see you. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and it is uh, that time on a Monday. We get to another edition of Stupid Scale, where we're going to talk about some stories around uh, are stupid. the world of sports and life. And yeah, we'll give you a rating on a scale of one to stupid on just how stupid it is or they are. Uh, first up in stupid scale. Okay. On Saturday night, Adam Silver officially unveiled the NBA's first in-season tournament um, to bring a European soccer-style cup tournament to the NBA. That's pretty stupid. I don't understand. Like, dude. I just don't get it. I just don't. I just. I just don't understand, man. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? You know. Okay, the regular season stinks. So, in order to make it stink less, you're just gonna make it more confusing and add more crap. That's what's funny about this. The majority of people who love the NBA, it's for one of two reasons. One, playoffs, they love the NBA, the playoffs, or the off season, or the off season. Nobody and cares the about the regular stuff, season, right? Yeah. But what I don't understand is. You're going to make it more confusing and adding more crap? Like, I just don't think that's the solution here. They're going to have six five-team groups, three made up of Eastern Conference teams and three made up of Western well, also, Conference teams, which is just anything. like... It just doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Isn't that just the divisions? Yeah, so this is just, right? this is just a really know. fancy way of playing the same teams you were going to play in the regular season. Yeah. Um, they they split them up doing some sort of World Cup style pot. The group play portion of the tournament will consist of four games, one against each of the other four teams across the group. That will play take place on seven dates throughout November. Um, and then they will figure out which uh, of the teams like win the group. They'll go to the knockout round uh, along with some of the teams that didn't win the group. Then they'll basically do like a playoffs from there. And uh, so. Also, I'm confused. Does this mean that some teams are going to end up playing more than 82 yes. games? All of the, these. I don't think any of these games count. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's even more stupid. So they have to play all these games. What? Players will take home $500,000 for being on the team that wins the NBA Cup, while players on the team that lose in the title game will take home 200000 Players on the semifinals team will take home an extra $100,000, and the quarterfinal losers will take home $50,000 extra dollars. 
I don't uh, get it. Other incentives were discussed to give players and teams more incentive, but they opted not to. Okay, here, here's part of this. Just, What's one of the biggest issues that's plaguing the NBA regular season? Uh, players don't play. Yeah. Stars sit out of games. Yes, correct. Are they going to actually play in this? Load management. Because think about this too. Like if you're a player like even LeBron where you're like, well, a part of me playing regular yeah, dude, season what, games I mean, is, is stacking up my career stats. What's, These what's, don't even count to that. <laughs> well, what's 500K to LeBron? That's the other part of this. Is playing an extra 10 games to those guys worth the extra 500K? <laughs> That's only if you win. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, this is yeah, so incredibly I, I, stupid. I think it's pretty stupid, actually. Yeah, the more the more you read about it, the more stupid I'm becoming convinced this is. Yes. This is just... This is not the solution, I don't think. If you wanted to make this like a preseason basketball tournament in college where it actually counted to like the standings, I'd be a little more interested... But honestly, like, I don't care about this at all. Yeah, I mean, I think the... This should almost be on do we give a bleep. I would say no <laughs> to do we give a bleep. I think this is very stupid. Uh, listen, just let's just put it this way. Mm-hmm. When you have... To, the, the, to solve the issue of trying to make something more exciting, that doesn't mean add more games. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Like, that doesn't more equal. games that don't matter. Exactly. Because, and that's what's funny, too, them being like, well, we wanted to model it after the, you know... The, the European soccer model where they have the regular season, they have the Champions League, and they have this in-season tournament. But you know what's funny? A majority of people from the U.S. who watch even, like, European soccer, they're like, yeah, it's kind of weird that there's just this tournament that doesn't actually, like... Yeah, they don't care. No. And if you're wanting to model off, like, the World Cup, the World Cup happens only every four years. Yeah. Well, and, the, yeah, it's like... This is such a dumb idea too, because it's it's the idea that you're saying, hey, you know this thing that other pe- that people in other countries like, but we're in a different country that has different like values on this stuff. Yeah, I mean, Amer- let's do dude, that. Americans are dumb. You can't make do more stuff to make it more complicated. Yeah. No, this is stupid. I'm gonna give this a full stupid. I think this is. Yeah, I might go stupid also. Yeah. I'm gonna go nine. I'm gonna go nine. Yeah. The only redeeming quality for me is that when all the star players sit out, I guess you could end up with like, oh, maybe we get to see like some young players break out. But okay, I, I don't really care to be honest. Well, then just I'm do not like a under twenty five, I league. guess, or under twenty five tournament. Yeah, I guess. Uh, people overreacting to the NBA summer league results. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know what to do about this. Well, actually, what I think is hilarious is. Wembenyama has a bad first game. Mm-hmm. Okay, or not, not very good. But we're calling him Booty Gobert. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He has not a very good first like game. Like eight points, nine and rebounds. So what happens is everyone's like, "Well, actually, you know, he's it, he's fine. He's still good. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, don't worry. He's fine." So I, I I don't know. The summer league is like, okay, you know what? Is a very very minute detail of summer league that I don't like. Mm. The dudes that just wear the stupidest numbers. <laughs> like, well, I don't want to watch a guy wearing seventy two play basketball. Sorry, I don't. So that's what turns you off from it. Like, <laughs> I see seventy two. It just adds to the extra level of annoyingness. <laughs> okay, I uh, this is incredibly stupid to me. Uh, okay, 
like there, there's examples both ways. Guys who are dominant in summer league and then it doesn't show up. Remember when Zion Williamson went four for four his first summer league game from three and then now like isn't a good three point shooter. Yeah. Uh, remember when Trey Young shot like it was like nineteen percent from three over the entire summer league. Hey, turns out he's like a multi time all star who's really good at shooting. Yeah. You know, I I don't remember when like Josh Selby won. So would you rather Zavia Henry? So would you rather them like not? Air summer league games on TV so nobody can watch. Them. No, I don't. I don't care if if people want to watch. You know, that's like. Well, but how do you stop the overreacting? Or can you? I don't think you can. People are just going to overreact to it. Doesn't make it any less stupid. You know, like. But has the has the sports uh, like if you enjoy watching summer league? I'm not. I don't have a problem with that. Like enjoy what you want to enjoy. You know, there are certain foods I like that somebody else might not like, or vice versa. Right? Like enjoy what you want to enjoy. I'm not saying you shouldn't watch them. If you enjoy summer league, watch summer league. If if you care about it, care about it. If you want to bet on it, bet on it. Whatever. What I'm saying is it is stupid to overreact to what happens and taking those into real. Uh, conversations about like this guy's great or this guy's bad because of what we see in summer league. Yeah, no, that's I think that's uh, all very valid because none of it matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. There's so many. Uh, but dude, this is what this is what sports does. We do stuff that doesn't matter and then we yell about it. That's just what we do. I guess that's true. That's what sports is. Okay, here's the here's the list of summer league MVPs. Let's go back to 2006. Randy okay. Foy. Who? Nate, yeah, Nate Robinson. Good NBA career. Jared Bayless. Blake Ooh. Griffin. Okay, okay, that's cool. John Wall. Cool. Josh Selby. Hello. Uh, Damian Lillard. Jonas Valanciunas. Glenn Rice. Remember Ooh. him? No. Uh, Kyle Anderson. Shlomo. Uh, Tyus Jones. Lonzo Ball. Josh Hart. Brandon Clark, Cam Thomas, Davion Mitchell, and Keegan Murray. That is a list of like. I don't know. That is a list of like Damian Lillard, John Wall, Blake Griffin, and like 15 other like role players in the NBA. So if you're going to react and say, oh, this well, guy I is. I mean, dude, if you're in the summer league, yeah, you're yeah. going to be a role player probably. Sure. Unless you're like, you know, a first round pick or whatever. This was the uh, all summer league first team in. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to go. I, I won't do 2022 because we don't have enough time to. Uh, I guess be like, oh, what is that person's career turned into? Here's 2021. Cam Thomas, Jalen Smith, Trey Murphy, Davion Mitchell, Obi Toppin, Peyton Pritchard, Jalen Johnson. Uh, I don't even know what Jalen Johnson's up to. Peyton Pritchard didn't play at all for the Celtics last year. Obi Toppin just got traded because he was like a backup on the Knicks. Davion Mitchell is a backup guard for the Kings. Trey Murphy's really good. And then Jalen Smith and or Cam Thomas, like, Backup scorer Jalen Smith. I, I don't even know. Is he even on the, the Suns anymore? Probably not. Uh, like, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. So, uh, <laughs> overreacting to what's happening in the summer league. Yes, I'm going. I don't know. I'll I won't be like a, a jerk. I won't go full. Suit. I'll say an eight. I'll give it like a five because okay. I just, yeah, I just tuned it out. Okay. Well, to that notion, Victor Weminyama being pulled from the rest of summer league. Yeah, what's that on that, a scale? <laughs> well, this is okay. I'm honestly, I don't, I really, I don't really care to be honest. But what I do think is like, bro, play, like just play. What are we doing? Do you think this is the Spurs basically being worried that they're getting too uh, ethered on social media? Mm-hmm. They got all the Britney Spears fans coming after Victor Wembanyama for not playing well in the first game. No, I don't know. I think they probably just, I, I, I don't know to be honest. Yeah, I really don't. I, I, 
I, I kind of want to say it's annoying because I, I mean, imagine it, it does seem like Victor Wembanyama might be better suited in a weight room than yeah. on the basketball court right now. I also think that there's there's not much that he's going to gain uh, maybe in that setting. So that's part of it. It's only negatives. Like you're going to hurt his confidence. Yeah, also, though, that's fair. If I was attending summer league, I'd be kind of mad. Oh, of course. I'd be, be like, like I, part of the reason I came yeah, on to like, see exactly. this guy. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I don't think that. this is that stupid, though. I'll give it a four. Three. Okay. Um, this comment from uh, Ryan Gosling on the highly anticipated Barbie movie that you will be seeing soon. Uh, yes. He was asked love, about love, the, love Barbie. Yes, uh, the difficulty of leaving Ken behind after filming. Quote, it's a bit like that Cinnabon mix. Once you open that canister, it's very hard to... Once you open it, you're making Cinnabons and you're loving it. <laughs> what? What? I'm sorry. What? What does that mean? I think it's like, you know, you break open. First of all, you're, you you know you pound it on the counter. You take you take the Pillsbury Doughboy canister. You unwrap it a little bit. Pound it on the counter. Bang, bang, bang. Get it open. Psh, pops open. And then you've got the gooey dough, delicious cinnamon rolls. You put them in the. You, you spray your your pan. Put them on the pan, and then you make them, and they're delicious. But I guess he's saying that <laughs> I'm guess he's saying that like at, sometimes after you eat deliciousness, there's like a post time period where you're like really sad that it's over. Like it was so good, the food, the cinnamon rolls were so good, and you ate them, and they were so delicious. That like after you're done, yeah, yeah. after you're done eating them, you're like sad. Ah, uh, that's I, that's what I think he's trying to say. I right? don't understand this at doesn't all. That no, make sense? I, I no. That doesn't I make don't sense think to you. Does. No, that's it never doesn't. happened to you. You never had a great, delicious meal, and it was like so good that after you're done, you're like, "Damn!" I almost wonder if this is what he's if he's saying like, when you're in the moment and doing something fun, you're just having fun and you're loving it. It's so awesome. he's like, yes. right now I'm just having it's fun over. and no, loving he, it." But he's saying that now that he can't, now that it's over, he's sad. Yeah, but maybe what he's saying is that he hasn't like had to leave it yet because he's still in the process of the post movie. You're doing your red carpets, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but he, he's not acting in character anymore. He's done with the character. Maybe he is. He's done with the. Character. What if he's a method actor and he's continuing his method? He's he's expecting Barbie too, and he's got it. He's gonna stay in in Ken mode until that comes out. <laughs> I don't know, man. Barbie, I don't know. Barbie two. Barbie we had, argue, than we had this argument off air. Barbie versus Oppenheimer. If you're going to see them back to back, which one do you see first? Yeah, I definitely think you see Oppenheimer first. No, you're wrong. Okay, well, Barbie first, Oppenheimer second. Hey, you can do that. More That's power what I'm going to gonna do. I'm, I'm gonna if do. I was seeing them, I would do opposite because I, Oppenheimer, I've heard, has that kind of a sorrowful full end. I would want the pick me up after. Also, on top of it, you didn't add. You were going. I don't want to see Barbie. Be sad seeing Barbie. Okay, that's fine. You are going to see Barbie at 7 o'clock, and then you're going to see Oppenheimer <laughs> at 10.30, which is like a three-and-a-half-hour movie. Yeah, I so know. I, no, I, intentionally, I, had the, I had the option to pick earlier showtimes, yeah. and I was like, you know what? I intentionally, I want this. Okay. This, this is what I that's want. That's fair. I, I know my brain. I would uh, lose my attention span. It, uh, for the second movie, at that point, you're watching like five hours worth of movies. At that point, it's like midnight, one in the morning. I would lose my attention span. I would need to go Oppenheimer first and then have Barbie to chill off. But that's fine, you know? Nope. It's Barbie, like for me, you're, you're basically having Barbie your first, dessert before you eat dinner. Oppenheimer second. I don't like to do that. Give me dinner and then I'll have my ice cream. You're wrong. Okay. Uh, this tweet. From John Morant on stupid scale. By the way, uh, that comment, I don't know. I'll give it like a six, uh, but with a question mark because I don't uh, understand. 
I think it makes sense. Okay. I'm only going to give it like a two. Of course. Because I think it makes sense. Of course you think that makes sense. Uh, this tweet from John ja Morant. Everything is being noted with an emoji of a hand with a pen writing something down and, I don't know, a tornado and then an arrow that says soon. Um, I don't know what that's all about. I'm confused about the tornado. Well, is, is his nickname like the Tasmanian Devil or something? I don't know. It doesn't uh, matter. I don't know. Okay, but here's the thing. Him saying everything is being noted, as in everyone basically saying, like, you need to get help, or like why is John Morant doing this, idiot. or making jokes about like him you're really, being an idiot. Really yeah, stupid. He's taking notes. This again goes back in line with the idea that John Morant is not actually learning from his mistakes; that he's just instead going. Yeah, I'm confused. Everybody is out to get me. Exactly. This is exactly what it seems like. It's like this. This is the type of tweet you make where it's like, my enemies are saying crap about me, and I am keeping note track of who is saying what about me. But like. No, people are just trying to help you. Like, no one, like, what? I don't understand. I don't understand. You're going to attack people trying to help you out? Or yeah. trying to be like, hey, hey, idiot. No, this is going to be great. Turn your brain on. John Morant's going to be like, he's going to like win MVP next year. And then he'll. Uh, he's not going to play long enough to win MVP. The year after. He'll win MVP the year after. And he'll be like, it was such a hard and, and long journey. I have such no, yeah. a chip on my shoulder because everybody was doubting me. This is classic, like, yeah, yeah, chip on my shoulder. No one believed like, in me, and I had to prove everyone well, everyone wrong. Everyone was against me right. because I was stupid, but it wasn't my fault. Yeah. It's like, but you, you're the one You're the one who did this. What What are you talking about? You put the own chip on your shoulder. Yeah. Incredibly I, stupid. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly puzzled by that. Yeah. I'm giving this a nine. I mean, I uh, is his nickname Tennis Manning Devil? Because I don't understand I don't the know. tornado. I don't understand the tornado emoji at all. What does that even... What's the relevance there? I don't know, dude. I don't know. Uh, okay, last one we got here is uh, the uh, Kansas City Wolf guy. He got... Oh, yes. Found, arrested. Chief Saholic. Dude, Chief Saholic. how do you not even know his name? That's disrespectful to Chief Saholic. Um, apparently Chief Saholic. Was- okay, there's multiple stupid yeah. parts to this to this discussion. So first of all, the guy was just on a bank robbing rampage all around. In the Midwest, like Indiana, Nebraska, Iowa, and he was laundering it through casinos. Have you seen Ozark? No, I have not. This dude is Marty Bird. He's actually laundering money through a casino through casinos. It's crazy. People will know what that means if they've seen Ozark. <laughs> okay. Even though you haven't, which is lame, because Ozark is a great show. Okay. But anyways, he's in Cal. He got arrested in California. I don't understand why he's still in the United States. He was like. Really, a wanted man. Probably because if he left the United, like he probably can't fly anywhere. It'd be flagged. Just drive. Just well, go to Canada. Go to Mexico. You, you realize you get to the the border and you have to show them your your uh, passport, and then they're gonna know it's you. There's there's got to be ways around that. I don't know, but you know what the stupid part of this is is the way that the FBI was able to track that he was the guy that perpetrated a lot of these bank robberies is that his phone was corroborate like they his phone his GPS and his phone was tracked to be in the same cities at the same times that some of these robberies happened so basically that was how they were able to like cross reference and be like yeah this is the guy okay which leads me to believe if you're gonna rob banks don't bring your phone that's the big stupid part here it's not the robbing the banks. It's not doing this or that. It's not him tweeting out that one tweet where he was like, you just got to work hard and grind your way up. That is it's a great it's him bringing his phone. 
That was yeah. the issue. Yeah. How funny would it be if you were like taking it. selfies while he was like bank robbing? By the way, uh, Mar- awesome, Marquez Valdez Scantling uh, tweeted out uh, something about like you know clear him of his charges or, or he the go. Oh, this dude, like that. this dude needs to go to prison for a long time. I mean, he's guilty uh, as I'm hell. just saying, Marcos of, Valdez Scantling is he pro bank robber of robbing many banks. Mm. Right? Uh yeah. All right, give me right now name this 30 for 30. What's the title of this 30 for 30? I don't think we need a 30 for 30 on this. You don't think so? Why? Dude, you don't think it's a compelling story? I mean, it's interesting enough. The but same like, time that the Chiefs football team rises to the levels that they've risen to, a Chiefs super fan rises, and then it turns out that he's a bank robber. See, so this is this is, is where I differ than story? some people. So I okay, I am not a fan of glorifying criminals with giving them documentaries. I don't think it's glorifying, really. I don't know. What else would you call it? Uh, a wild story. I don't know. I I'm not a fan. when they do these whole all like serial killer like oh, yeah, docu-series and stuff. Like, I don't. I don't care I'm not those. about that. And I get this is different, but it's still like yeah. I don't. I know. I don't care for that stuff. Yeah. Not but my I thing. Not my thing. That. Right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is stupid scale for the week. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.